Hello, sustainable friends, and welcome to Let's Act, Sustainably Developing Africa and Beyond podcast. Here we will share bold and innovative solutions that will help us tackle social, economic, and environmental issues that affect sustainable development. The Let's Act podcast series will amplify voices of people from communities, businesses, academia, civil society organizations, and more who will share real experiences that will drive development for an Africa we want. My name is Tokumbo, Talks for short, Ifachiroti, and I am your host. It is time. Let's act, Africa. So fantastic. Welcome to another episode on our podcast titled Let's Act, Sustainably Developing Africa and Beyond. So today we'll be discussing the Sustainable Development Goal 7, and that relates to access to affordable, reliable, sustainable, and modern energy for all. And this forms the pillar for well-being for people across the world. And so Africa is no different. But before we get into the burning issues on our mind and you know no pun intended i'd like to introduce to you our guest now i'm particularly excited about this guest because he's a youth his name is promise promise welcome thank you so much mrs tokumbo you are most welcome so i'm just going to give you a short bio promise Mwogo is a recent graduate of petroleum engineering from the federal university of technology oweri in nigeria he has a keen interest in the renewable energy sector and after seeing the impact that renewable energy is making in the lives of underserved communities in Nigeria, he particularly is passionate about wanting to give us more information about how this affects Nigeria and most importantly, Africa. Promise is a fellow of Student Energy Leaders Fellowship and is one of the challenge winners of How to Change the World, where he was tasked at the time with preferring solutions to climate change in Dori, that's in Burkina Faso, a country in West Africa. Promise Mogu is currently registered in the Oxford School of Climate, where he's learning more about climate change in the global space and how it can be managed or averted, especially at such a time as this. No doubt, as we all know, climate change has become of paramount importance with a dire need to begin to find solutions to combat climate threats to our world. So again, welcome, Promise. Thank you so much. So now let's talk, Promise. We are talking about um, COP26 and everybody's asking, what does COP26 mean? Tell me, what does it mean to you? Okay, COP26 means Conference of Parties. So the 26 after the COP is because this is the 26 iteration, the 26 meeting. COP actually started in 1995. Mm-hmm. So from 1995 up to 2021. Although the COP26 sh- should have happened last year, which is 2020. But due to the pandemic, it was postponed to this year, 2021. So currently, the COP26 is happening in Glasgow, UK. It started on the 31st of, of October and it will be ending on the 12th of November 2021. The prime purpose of COP26 is to review the national determined contribution where countries come up and say, okay, by so 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 year, I'll be cutting down my emission, my carbon emission by 10%, 20%. COP26 will try to review this national determined contribution by countries, which was introduced in 2015 at the Paris Agreement. That was COP21. So 
it's just like trying to review what has been achieved from COP21. And if they have not achieved their NDC, that's the National Determined Contribution, then what can be done for them to actually achieve it? So I quite like that way, you you know, you mentioned that this has been on since, I think, 1995. I, I believe the treaty was signed in 94. And so it's been going on since 95. Mm-hmm. But I think the burning question for a lot of us, especially in diaspora, is how this is going to impact on the African continent. Because um, as you know, global warming, there's a lot of thick fog over cities, there's pollution, bushfires everywhere. How do you think Africa is coming to grips with the effect of climate change? I think Africa is actually doing good in my own perspective. To the best of my knowledge, Gambia is the only country that have met its uh, carbon emission targets. So it will also interest you to know that Africa has the lowest access to energy globally. About 40% of competencies is actually crucial for Africa. Considering the fact that uh, fossil fuel dominates the energy mix, the global energy mix, so post-COP26, I'm thinking Africa will be like, we can't go on with fossil fuel due to its high carbon emission. So I think COP26 is very crucial. Africa will try to persuade the developed countries to raise finance for deployment of renewable energy across Africa. Okay. So did you say that Africa is doing well or Africa is not doing well in terms of meeting the Sustainable Development Goal 7? I think Africa is doing well considering the fact that they are the lowest emitter of carbon when you talk about continents. Although I also believe that they can actually do better. Let's say for in Nigeria where I'm based, there is an agency are we they are actually doing very, very good. They've deployed renewable energy projects across the country. So in my own perspective, Africa is not doing bad. And that's because we're one of the lowest emitters. Correct. You said REA. What does REA stand for? Rural Electrification Agency. That's the Ministry of Power in Nigeria. Okay. So if I want to home in on the Nigerian context, a lot of homes um, still use generators. Electricity is not really, I mean, if you're looking at at the number of homes that have constant electricity, it's really, really minimum. I mean, I don't have the stats, but I know there's a huge reliance on generators. I also know that a lot of people are moving into the solar panel space. Could you shed more light on what energy, modern energy means to Nigeria and to Nigerians? Energy is a necessity in life from being able to light up your homes, moving from one place to another, to cooking our meals. That's how important energy is to each and every one of us. I I will give you a short story. During the hot season, because where I come from, I'm sorry to say this, I come from an energy-poor community. So during the hot season, my family are left with two options, which are we either sleep outside the house, which is not wise, considering the fact that there is no fence around the house. So security is not wise to sleep outside or we sleep inside and administer the sprinkle and sleep uh, method. So the sprinkle and sleep method is a process where you get cold water because obviously in the hot season you'll be feeling hot. So we just sprinkle the cold water. Few minutes you can sleep. So once you sleep during that few minutes and the water dries up, start feeling hot so you need to wake up again sprinkle that water mm. that to show you how how important energy is to our daily lives yes so if energy is that important then how come i mean i mean again i'm just looking at um, nigeria as an example what do you think the lack of constant energy constant electricity how do you think that that affects the development of nigeria i think it affects everything we do is determined by energy you are going to school you want to read 
you need to light up your room by the night for you to have much productive day you want to cook your meal you need to use a clean cooking fuel for you to safeguard your health then be able to cook your meal so i think energy is one of the challenges facing not just nigeria but west africa as a whole is actually uh decreasing its economic growth i think it echoes what a lot of people will be saying in that space because we really do need energy. We do need electricity really to ensure that the economic development of Nigeria begins to soar, as it were. And so going back to the climate change, what do you think Africa as a whole, when you can use you know, case studies from other countries, can put in place to ensure that we are getting to grips with how to manage climate change? Energy literacy needs to be first in the line because most of the place you see people owning their lights in the daytime you'll be asking yourself for somebody that is energy educated like me i'll be asking myself what are these people using this light during the day daytime to do yeah. so i think a lot of energy is being lost by people not being energy conscious so one of the things that i did during my time in school was forming a club Students yeah. in as Federal University of Technology way. We organize energy literacy programs in secondary and primary schools where we teach these students how to manage their, their energy. How little yeah. actions like offering your lights when you're leaving a room, offering your AC when you're not around, stuff like that, how we contribute to the climate change and think energy literacy needs to come into place. That's great. So energy literacy, because you did that in school, is there a way that businesses can also find ways to encourage and empower others to be more literate about how energy is used? I think businesses can come into place by sponsoring these grassroots clubs, energy clubs. There are also think organizations like Nigerian Society of Engineers, energy organization as a whole should kind of educate their members about energy. Because before I founded energy students, uh, energy at Futo. There was no club like that doing that. We only have clubs that are into only petroleum, SPE, NAPE, which is into geology. So I think organizations need to be more, need to broaden their scope to not just focus on petroleum, but energy as a whole, energy literacy, educate their members, educate their young professionals and empower grassroots clubs so that they can carry out their actions effectively. Okay. You mentioned something about um, fossil fuel. Could you give us a bit more information about what that means? Okay. Okay, fossil fuel are energy that are gotten from carbon. There are majorly three types. We have coal, oil, and gas. So coal has more carbon contents. So it emits more carbon, followed by oil and followed by gas. That's what that that's the three types of fossil fuel. And from a petroleum company's point of view, because one of the things that I've I've heard so far is that a lot of petroleum companies were not invited, or I don't know if they were not invited or haven't attended COP26. And it begs the question that if we want these companies to begin to understand how emissions is affecting the planet, they need to be there because they are pollutants, so to speak, that's A. And secondly, they would also probably need to know what they can do to work together with us, the citizens, to reduce these emissions or have alternatives. What is an alternative for coal, oil and gas? About the story of oil and gas company not being invited, I read that on LinkedIn as well, although I won't score names. I think that's a wrong decision, if you ask me, because then these people have been into the energy value chain. They know how much energy people need. And let's say something like offshore wind, we are with the bars are being fixed in offshore platforms and so on. Something like all these oil companies, they have been in that terrain before. They've worked in such environments, so they know the condition and how to go about these processes. Basically, for me, I think how 
oil and gas companies can cope with COVID-19 is transitioning into an energy company, which most of them are doing. BP has transitioned into an energy company, same with Tota. So I think they are actually doing that to position themselves post-COP26. That's great. And all these um, examples that you've given are not just on the African continent, isn't it? It's it's global, isn't it? So they're going back to the drawing board and trying to see how they can become more energy efficient. Am I correct? They are global companies as well. So it's global. That's very interesting because, um, as you said, this is COP26. Next year, there'll be a COP27. And what one doesn't want is just people coming together and talking about the same things and years and years after nothing is really changing. We need to underscore that that's a key factor that needs to be covered. But there are also needs to be a balance because everything can't just change overnight. So everyone can't become extremely knowledgeable about climate change, about the impacts and what can be done to mitigate them. How do you think we could let more people that are not, because you are obviously schooled in this area, so you know more about climate change, but to the average person on the street who is in their local village just trying to use coal to maybe steam up some corn or to roast some corn just to make a living. What can we do for this information to be, should I say, translated in a language that people at the grassroots level understand and can begin to make small changes in their own daily activities to combat the effects of climate change? I think it boils down to every one of us. We all have a, a part to play in the fight against climate crisis. So I also think the utility have a part to play because obviously they can reach some areas where we can reach. It should also be the job of the utility to educate their customers on energy management and energy conservation. Like here in Nigeria, we have uh, EKJ Electric, Enugu distribution companies, and so So there needs to be more awareness programs coming up from all those energy um, companies or distributors so that down the chain, everybody needs to know exactly what can be done in order to combat the effects of climate change or to manage the energy that we have really at the moment. Yes, I think that's the right step uh, for them to take. And also, what does renewable energy mean? Okay, renewable energy in a layman's term is energy that can be renewed over time, like wind, solar, bio mass hydro globally pv system which is solar and wind system are leading the leading the race in the renewable energy space yes so that's what renewable means energy that can be renewed over time you can use it after some minutes uh naturally to just renew itself let's say for something like solar from in nigeria from around 11 to 3 p.m you have sun at its peak so after the night the next day the sun comes up so you see that renewable energy is actually free. We are not paying for it. Same with wind and same with hydro. So in a layman's term, renewable energy is energy that can be renewed over time. Unlike fossil fuel, where if you use it up, it's not coming back. Okay, thank you. You mentioned something about wind turbines. And on the African continent, there are a few countries that really have those farms. You know what I mean? Yeah, wind blade. What do they turbine call them? Blade. Turbine blade. Turbine blades. I think I'm not sure if I saw one in Kenya, but I haven't really, and I'm sure there must be some in South Africa, but I haven't really seen many across other countries. Are you aware of these wind turbines in other countries on the continent? I think Nigeria has a uh, wind turbine project planned for Taraba State, although I'm not sure it has been started. But to the best of my knowledge, there is a project in Taraba State, a wind turbine project. In Africa, the growth of wind turbine is very, very small compared to PV system. Okay, all right. 
You also mentioned um, hydro. We have a lot of water, especially on the continent. To the best of my knowledge, I think majority of Africans' energy comes from hydro. Okay. Uh, who is also not environmentally friendly to fishes because then you have to build a dam, uh, increase the force of the water and stuff like that. So it's actually destroying the water bodies. Basically, for Africa, we are actually using hydro. Why can't we use that hydro to generate enough or constant power in Africa or Nigeria to be precise. If you ask me, I would say maybe it's due to government. Most of Nigerian electricity are, got, are gotten from thermal engines that uses gases. And most of these gases, if not all, are imported gases. I think I read somewhere, maybe it's on your LinkedIn page, where you talked about having to use solar lamp. Okay, in my school, I usually stay off camp that's outside the school premises. Yeah. So we can stay for like six months without electricity. So for some students that are financially okay, you have to rely on your diesel or petroleum generators to power up your room. Because obviously, as a student, you need to read during the night. And this is actually not cost-effective for students because an average student in Federal University of Technology gets about 15,000 Naira monthly allowance. So if you calculate your, your fuel consumption, you are spending up to 10,000 Naira in a month, hmm. left only with 5,000 for feeding, and maybe small minor expenses in school. So energy poverty is actually ripping the hearts of Nigeria, Africa as a whole, and it's actually killing its future because obviously the youth are the future. So if it's killing the youth, it's killing the future of a country or a continent. That's how bad energy poverty is. So with energy poverty, what can we do to alleviate energy poverty? What can we put in place to ensure that this is reduced or even eradicated if possible? Uh, I feel there are so many things we can do to eradicate energy poverty. Uh, obviously, electrification of communities is one way of doing that. Quick, the RUEA, the Rural Electrification Agency, are actually doing electrifying rural communities. Then I also think that we need to speed up our processes like refineries. Sorry, I know we are in a uh, we are trying to reduce our emission, but then gas, which has less carbon content, emits less. Obviously, we can't rely 100% on renewable. That's the truth. So I feel like we need to up our game in our refineries, refine more, refine more fossil fuel so that we can have enough gas that can go around. Because if I'm not wrong, the thermal plant in Nigeria is working like 50%. So the other 50% is not working. Why? Some of the problems are due to lack of gas in the country. They don't have gas to power their thermal plants. So I think there are a lot of things to do. Electrify the rural communities, up our game in refinery capacity. I think we can start with these two for now. Okay, and that would definitely begin to make a difference, not only in Nigeria, um, but also on the African continent, because it's uh, I think the issues are actually similar across board. Yeah, they are actually similar because 90% of Africans have an experience of energy poverty. Uh, so before we wrap up, tell me about what you did in Burkina Faso. I, I know you are a member or a fellow really student of the Energy Leaders Fellowship and you want a challenge there, you know, on how to change the world. What was that about? Okay, how to change the world is a training program being organized by a Canadian organization where they invite uh, recent graduates and final year students to train them on how to solve global problems challenges. So my team was tasked with providing solution for Dori in Burkina Faso. So during our research, we noticed that, yes, there are some solar cooking stoves in Burkina Faso. But due to, because the major, the major problem causing climate change in Burkina Faso from our research are cooking. So they cut down their woods, use it for cooking. Mm -hmm. So we found out that, yes, some organizations are doing some energy 
projects in Burkina, in Dori, Burkina Faso, giving them cooking stoves. But some of them find it hard to use this cooking stove. They are not educated enough how to use it. So what we propose for Burkina Faso is a train the trainer program. Yes. We are women will be trained on how to use this cooking gas. After some time, they are being satisfied as a trainer gets. So they train the next cohorts of women on how to use the cooking stove. So that's actually the solution that we provide for Dori Burkina Faso. And also these women, these trainers, after becoming trainers, they get payments for training other women. So you see that the payments we act as an incentive. You see that they will be encouraged to train other women on how to use this cooking stove yes. that they already have. It's not that they don't have it. They already have it, but due to lack of knowledge, they still rely on their biomass, cutting down woods for cooking. So that's the solution we propose for them. Fantastic. So congratulations, though, on, on that. That sounds like very, very interesting as well. Thank you very much for coming on to our podcast show today. I know you're really passionate about the Sustainable Development Goal 7, and we've talked a little about affordable and reliable modern energy for all, and in a better way, how we can all work towards ensuring that this happens. And I like the fact that you mentioned that the buck just doesn't stop and start with us. Businesses also have a role to play to ensure that they're cutting down carbon emission and, and lowering it as best as possible. And also for the African continent, you mentioned that if we're looking at petroleum companies, or other forms of energy. We, we have coal, oil, and gas. And you highlighted the fact that even though we were trying to cut down on having oil companies and we talked about refineries, but the truth is that gas is the one that produces less and carbon. And so we have to get a balance, but education and empowerment and knowledge by utility companies or, or distributors of, of energy, the, the box starts and stops with them to a large extent because they also need to ensure that they cascade information to the chain below them about what to do to manage emissions and how, what to do to, to tackle them, you know, wh wherever they find themselves. I found that particularly interesting. I also found interesting when you talked about um, the wind turbines that we we have one um, in, uh, in Nigeria. There's one in Nigeria, Taraba State. I'm not sure if it's functional yet, but it's something that is being looked at. And across board, across the world, you know, a lot of countries do have offshore wind um, strategies in place. I'd like to probably get your final thought on COP26 will soon end. Everybody's going to go back to their countries. What would you like to see happen in Africa moving forward? Moving forward, what I would love to see in Africa is about the developed countries fulfilling their pledge. There's a $100 billion annual pledge by the developed countries to Africa. So, uh, moving on, I would, I would like them to fill these pledges because obviously renewable energy projects requires money because one of the things hindering consumers and customers from switching to renewable is the upfront cost. So if these developed countries can finance these projects, I think it will actually fasten the process of deployment of RE projects, not just in Nigeria, but across uh energy poor continents. Fantastic. And one thing I've taken away from our podcast today is energy poor. I think it's something that we all need to be aware of, you know, so from the grassroots level to the top, to through all these corridors of power, we need to begin to realize that for so long as we have energy poor systems in place or we can't access energy to the best of our ability to ensure that there's well-being for people across the world, it will slow down development and poverty will continue to be rife. And the knock-on effect is that the year 
2030, where we're supposed to have met the SDG target and seven will not be met. What do you think? I think you are absolutely correct. With the level of energy poverty in Africa, we need to fasten up the electrification process. Otherwise, if we continue with the rates we are going, I'm sorry, we, it's impossible to meet uh, SDG 7 by 2030. Mm. So on that note, promise, that's a clarion call for all of us to work on. And I hope all the powers that be too are doing as best as they can. And it's my intention that our podcast goes as far and wide as possible. Thank you so much, Promise, for coming on our podcast. And like I said earlier on, you are a youth. You have your ears to the ground. You have a lot of experiences which you've shared with us and some that are on your LinkedIn profile as well. And I know you do a lot in your school to sound the clarion call for the need for us to have access to affordable, reliable, sustainable and modern energy for all. Do have a good day and thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Mrs. Tokumbo, for hosting me and enjoy the rest of your day. And you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Sustainable Friends, for tuning into today's episode. And we hope you feel empowered and ready to develop economic, environmental and social solutions that will bring about positive change in your communities for a better Africa and beyond. By the way, you don't have to wait until the next episode to chat with me. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Let's Act Africa and tell me one thing this episode has convinced you to start doing. Also, if you found this episode insightful, please make sure you leave a rating, subscribe to our show, and share with others who you think can implement solutions in Africa and beyond. Remember, we're all in this together. Until next time, let's act Africa.